0: Welcome to the second episode of this special series, I'm David Zhang. This is the second part of a six-episode series investigating and exploring with you together on the rise of communism in the United States and the Western world. In this episode, we will focus on two aspects that are fully being subverted, family and education systems. It is through these two aspects that are closest to the American family that is now corrupting the humanity of the people in the United States. Education. Family. Humanity. There has been a drastic change in educating the youth today. Compared to 20 years ago, 30 years ago, something changed in the ways the teachers are being trained, students are being taught, and even a shift in what is important in school. If you don't believe that there is white privilege, please don't teach. If you don't believe that black lives matter, please don't teach. If you don't believe in systemic racism and how it negatively impacts our students of color and don't want to help dismantle those systems, please don't teach. Since when has teachers become an agent of indoctrination? Well, the answer is both straightforward but also complicated. The first mission is a communist agenda attempting to change the education system. As Yuri Bezmenov said, it takes a generation to change the mindset towards communism. This is the first step to help drive communism agendas towards its destination. Now ultimately, the goal of communism is to corrupt the human mind to abandon tradition and culture. In order to sustain the regime, subsequent generations must forget their tradition and culture. Education systems are the best way to massively produce communist ideology-filled students. The Communist Manifesto discusses the needs of production. In both workers and in the workforces, we can see this. The current education system in place is nothing short of a natural selection. Their goal? To create mindless students who lack free thinking skills. Let's backtrack to the origin of the intention of education. Skills can be learned, and crafts can be mastered. Yet morality is often enlightened too. And this is why the ancient thinkers and philosophers focused on the prosperity of the mind as a righteous person and a virtuous person can achieve greater good in society, or not cause harm, compared to one that is not morally educated. Each person knew their duty to the world, to their God, to the religion, and to themselves. Kongzi, or Confucius, a founding father of Chinese philosophy and education, was focused on promoting ethics and moral education. Yet he never worried if his students would become the best farmer, or maybe the best blacksmith. As skills can be trained, but their minds must be cultivated. An ancient Chinese culture believed that only when one's mind becomes as pure as those in heaven can they ascend to the heavenly realms, and then be with the heavenly beings. Now this is passed down as values and everything in today's world must be appropriated to divine messages. And it was believed that the emperor is only in power as they have the mandate from the heavens and they lose the right to rule should they become corrupt or harmful to society. Therefore, the central principles of governing the Chinese society in ancient times were always moral teachings of goodness and virtue. Socrates told people to trust in human reasonings and look within for inner criticisms and values. Socrates believed the best form of government was one that is filled with people who truly understands their own nature and their own behaviors. But can you imagine if people did not search for moral values that are good? How could they self-govern? Teachers are supposed to be the most respected and important aspect in a child's education. And this has allowed communism to corrupt that. John Dewey was one of the most prominent progressive educators in the 20th century. He promoted the new ideas of education methods. Dewey's progressive educational thought removes the authority of the teachers, and downgrades their importance. He was an influential educator in that his stance is anti-intellectual and against common sense. In essence, against education itself. He promoted a common method of education, which is widely employed now, called student-centered learning. And Dewey also widely promoted Darwinian education principles, and criticized the traditional philosophies and education theories. Advocates of progressive education claims that students must be placed at the center and allowed to explore on their own to reach their own answers that is but the real intention of progressive education is to cut students off from their bond with traditional culture and traditional curricula these traditional essence contain knowledge accumulated over thousands of years of human civilization a negotiation with teachers' authority in the process of education is a negation of their role in carrying forward the knowledge of civilization. And this is the ulterior motive of communism. Daisy Dulu's 2014 book Seven's Myths About Education analyzes and refutes seven widely spread co- misconceptions about modern education, including claims that facts prevent understanding, teacher-led instruction is passive, Project activities are the best way to learn. And teaching knowledge is indoctrination. Now most of these myths stem from progressive education and have been passed down for several generations now, becoming a plague on educational culture. For instance, take the first misconception. The fact learning prevents true understanding. Now modern American education has degraded traditional methods of attention to memorization. Reading aloud, or practice characterizing them as mechanical memorization, or route learning and drill to kill. Even when accepted, they see it as a low level learning method. Jean Jacques Rousseau attacked memorization and verbal lessons in his 1792 novel Emile, or On Education. And Dewey's progressive educators furthered such theories. And the progressive educators believe that students must take their own initiative and be allowed to have the opportunity to explore for themselves, while the teacher is standing by to provide assistance. In 1956, American educational psychologist Benjamin Bloom and collaborators published a framework for categorizing educational goals, widely known today as Bloom's Taxonomy. It divided human cognition into six levels, from low to high. In 2001, the levels were revised to be remember, understand, apply, analyze, evaluate, and create. And the later three are regarded as higher-order thinking, because they involve comprehensive analysis. Now, we're not going to analyze on the strengths and the weaknesses of the Bloom's uh, taxonomy or classification itself, but we're merely pointing out that since the framework was proposed, Progressive educators have used the pretext of cultivating cultivating higher-order thinking to weaken the teaching of knowledge in schools. Anyone with a common sense knows that having basic, basic knowledge is the foundation of any intellectual tasks. Without a reserve of knowledge, the so-called higher-order thinking, critical thinking, or creative thinking can only serve to deceive oneself and others. Now, Bloom's classification system provides seemingly a scientific excuse for the explicable approach of progressive educators. You cannot expect a doctor, though, to know how to treat a heart disease if they're not built by years of knowledge in human anatomy. And communism uses the mindset of the progressive education goal as a vessel to carry out its agenda. Its first move is to mark traditional education as a system of oppression against students. It aims to transform this concept. And this is to allow the ideas of conservative education to be branded as anti-revolutionary. The idea that staying constant to old things is bad. And the second move is to brainwash students into believing that they have the autonomy to think however they want. But in reality, the teacher is still much in control. And this creates the fake illusion that students are free thinkers, but in reality, They are actually simply jailed in a bigger circle that they could not see the trap of so called education. Now, the third move is the teacher themselves. They have undermined the role of being a teacher. The university education system, right now, of teacher training, is actively brainwashing the teachers into thinking that they're no longer the driver in educating the youth, but rather an assistant to the curriculum, which is the fourth move. Communism and socialism ideas are running freely and wildly within school curriculums. And there are now in some cases more teaching and topics about racial division, cancel culture, homosexuality, sexual education, and political correctness than actual knowledge. Teacher education is a part of a larger shift in college campuses. Since the 1960s, the discipline of literary research in the United States has experienced a fundamental shift, across its various subfields. Following the popular trends in philosophy, psychology, and culture, various new literary theories emerged in academic community during the height of the counterculture movement in the 1960s. Teacher education sort of absorbed the newly arrived field of studies. And these include gender study, feminism, psychology, newly psychology, and many more of the liberal arts branch. And what is the substance of these theories? Well, based on modern academic theories, it belittles and reverses and also destroys the understandings of what the right and what is the wrong, and what is the good and what is the evil, and what is beautiful and what is ugly. All of these come from and stem from traditional family upbringings, religious and faith and ethics, and they want to replace them with a sinister system devoid of positive values. It also denies the need of US histories and also the importance of U.S. heritage. And this has directly led to less and less respect for the founding principles of this country. Such behaviors have also led to the common actions we see today, such as toppling statues of historical figures, destroying churches and properties, and fighting against traditions. It's a lack of respect for the constitutional republic. And college studies of texts are often criticizing the old thinking, While taking the Communist Manifesto and its related authors of socialism, such as Louis Althusser, as the core of even English literary courses. Behind it all are no more than a jumbling of classical and neo-Marxism, the Frankfurt School, psychoanalysis, deconstructionism, post-structuralism, and postmodernism, and all of these and this politicization of literary research into actively changing traditional education methods. And so how can teachers teach students when they themselves have been heavily indoctrinated in the campuses? Communism has directly made teachers an agent of corruption of the next generation. And they have undermined what it means to teach. It used to be teaching is to elevate one's moral values to simply machines now that tells your students that conservative values are wrong. On April 20th, 1999, Two students at Columbine High School in Colorado murdered 12 students and one teacher and injured at least 20 more in a carefully planned massacre. The tragedy shocked the nation, and people wondered why the two students would carry out such a cold-blooded attack, murdering their classmates and a teacher, who they've known for years. By comparing social phenomena in different historical periods, educators noticed that up to the 1960s, Common problems behavior-wise among the students in the U.S. were things like tardiness, talking in class without permission, or chewing gum. After the 1980s, there were worse problems like excessive drinking, drug abuse, premarital sex, pregnancy, suicide, gang activity, and even indiscriminate shootings, which have now since increased in frequency from Columbine. Now, these downward trends are a concern to millions of Americans in the United States and in other countries as well, but few actually understand the roots of these developments. And no one is able to prescribe an appropriate treatment for the disorders they so call. And more recently, Sandy Hook Elementary School in 2012 saw one of the deadliest shootings in history. And in 2018, a 19-year-old killed 17 people and injured another 17 in Parkland, Florida. While the society blames it on gun control and mental health, the underlying problem is that the distortion and downward spiral of the moral standards of American youth today. That is the issue. And there is no accident. The first step to corrupting the youth and education is by breaking the traditional family value and structure. One of the core of the moral education is to come to understand the role of the man and the woman in a relationship and in a family, what it means to be a father and a mother. Now the role of each in the family took on different responsibilities in traditional families. Today's education does not promote this traditional family structure. In fact, it makes students normalize the new age of relationships, common-law, same-sex marriage, divorce, even a status called complication. And there is a pillar of solidity in the way traditional family structure functioned. The man served as a strength and protection for the barrier for the family while the women manages the ins and outs of the household. Now, the two work together in harmony to create an environment that is suitable for fostering the growth of their children. Each generation of youth grew up with more and more progressive thinking that the family structure is no longer the same as before. The reasoning is this domestic abuse and all the single parenthood are increasing because family structures have changed. But in reality, those are the results of the opposite problem one caused by the lack of moral education. As Yuri Bezmenov mentioned, academia and education is the key to communist infiltration. So how exactly does the traditional family help pass on the moral values? Well, starting at home, the best teachers are the parents. Sons can learn from their father about the role of a man in society while seeing the experiences of the mother to help him understand what it means to protect the ones you love daughters learn from their mothers of the qualities of a woman, and the way to help bond the family together. Since the 1960s, a variety of anti-traditional movements, including modern feminism, sexual liberation, and gay rights, have risen to prominence in the West. The institution of the family has been hit the hardest under the banners of equality and emancipation, implicitly and explicitly backed by modern laws, school curricula, academic theories, and economic policies, these movements are twisting the traditional bonds between the sexes, corrupting children, and dragging human behaviors to scarcely imaginable lows. This trend surfaced at the beginning of the 19th century, and is deeply infused with communist ideological factors. Frederick's Engels ultimately hoped for the widespread of unconstrained sexual intercourse which is about dissolving traditional marriage and ultimately eliminating the family institution. Now without a traditional family and the personal ties to its stakes, there is bound to be a downright corruption in how each person treats others. And without ever experiencing certain familiar experiences, they lack the very many experiences that shape the person. Now I'm speaking on a broad term, of course. And so why does the Communist want family gone? They want it gone because it was the pillar that held religion, morals, and character developments all together, and it was an integral part of how the next generation was to be developed. It needs to be gone for the communist ideologies to fill in, in order to kill off humanity as its end goal, so that brutality, criminality, and many more bad and sinful behaviors can be unleashed. A prominent example of recent cases would be that after the January 6th riot, there were posts online that showed users reporting their own mothers and brothers to the FBI for attending that rally. And while doing so, they bragged about doing the righteous thing and justified their actions as good. Now this may not seem that serious, but think about the meaning behind it. They have been brainwashed by the media, their teachers, their surroundings that they think Anything anti-conservative is justified and is the right thing to do. Now, the same thing took place in China under the CCP. One of the most prominent examples is that after the Great Cultural Revolution took place between 1966 to 1976, within 10 years, it took out the humanity of the Chinese people. One of the biggest targets of the Cultural Revolution was to destroy three aspects, traditions, education, and religion. And this allowed the Red Guards to loot and kill, even babies and pregnant women. Because in the process, they lost morality and humanity. Before 1969, when states started to legalize non-fault divorce state laws across the United States were based on traditional religious values. In order for a divorce to be considered, it required a legitimate claim of fault from one or both of the spouses. Western religions teaches that marriage is established by God. A stable family is beneficial to the husband, wife, children, and society overall. For this reason, the church and the U.S. state laws all stress the importance of preserving marriages, except in extenuating circumstances. But in the 1960s, the ideology of the Frankfurt School had radiated out of society, traditional marriage came under attack, and the most damage was done by liberalism and feminism. Liberalism rejects the divine nature of marriage by reducing its definition to a social contract between two people, while feminism views the traditional family as a patriarchal instrument in the suppression of women. Divorce was promoted as a woman's liberation from the oppression of an unhappy marriage or her path to a thrilling life of adventure. Now, this mindset led to the legalization of no-fault divorce, allowing either spouse to disband a marriage as irreconcilable for any reason. The U.S. divorce rate grew rapidly in the 1960s and peaked in the 1981. For the first time in American history, more marriages were being ended not by death, but by disagreements. Of all couples wed in the 1970s, nearly half were divorced, compared to about 11% in the 1950s. Advocates of sexual liberation believe that sex should not be limited to the confines of marriage. But unwanted pregnancy presents a natural obstacle to this sort of lifestyle. Contraceptives may fail, so the promoters of unrestricted sex took up the cause of legalizing abortion. The official report from the 1994 UN International Conference on Population and Development in Cairo stipulates that reproductive health implies that people are able to have a satisfying and safe sex life, that they have the capability to reproduce and the freedom to decide if, when, and how often they do so. At the same time, feminists introduced the slogan, My Body, My Rights, to argue that women have the right to choose whether to give birth or to kill their unborn child. The debate expanded from allowing abortion under special circumstances to giving women the power to end human life due to personal inconvenience. By accepting abortion, people have been led to the permit to murder babies and, at the same time, abandon the traditional understanding that sex is for procreation. All this has led to the mutual respect between men and women drastically decline. One of the core of the traditional family in the Western world up until the 1960s was actually also religion and religious backgrounds of the family. It used to be proud for people to speak about their faith and that their family had maybe a deep Catholic or deep Christianity background. But after the 60s, when sexual revolution and drug use were normalized under the guise of peace and love, it seems religion has taken a step into the backseat. And after the Cultural Revolution in China, the CCP had systematically rewrote the education principles, how religion worshipping rules worked, and introduced communist education in a massive way. It also abolished so-called traditional language, writing and text systems and encouraged speaking foul languages, reporting their own family members and becoming violent, all of the while becoming atheist and thinking that divine do not exist. Since the 60s, Chinese people have lost very much of their core moral values. Current Chinese culture, much of it is just a shelled remnant of the past. And with the core of the tradition and values long destroyed, this is often why when a Chinese person from the mainland arrives in the Western society, they feel uncomfortable and do not fit in. Because they've never experienced a normal society. To the Western population, they view the mainland Chinese community as an outcast or abnormal population. Their actions, their behaviors, their culture seem so out of place This is the result of communist culture poisoning the Chinese people. What has the West experienced instead? Well, starting with academics, each generation have transformed their minds to embrace more and more socialist agendas. Climate change, political correctness, and cancel culture are among the hottest topics. Gender study becomes a field that is actually getting more funding, while religious study and religious education and research is casted to the side. And history courses are seen as uncool. At the same time, those courses often twist the original motives of the historical figures. Public universities encourage worshiping spaces for religion and for any religion, yet at the same time condemns religious beliefs. And things like anti-abortion, God's very existence, no premarital sex, institutions are firing professors for expressing conservative values. Students engage in harassment of right-wing speakers on campus. and These are all results of the first stage, the demoralization of morality. The end goal is that before communists take over the society, it should have already largely accepted the ideas that fuel socialism and communism. Education systems in the U.S. have also been cultivated into a think tank of quote-unquote official information and data. And this is where the left and Big Tech gets all of their fact-check information and so-called facts from researchers and scientists. This is the basis for cancel culture, political correctness, sociological debates, and much more, in the grand scheme of reaching communism. And they start early too. And this, this new communism education starts right in kindergarten. One of the first ways is to make things easier, or dumbing down things. It's to avoid making the American education system look bad. In 1994, the College Board redefined the scores of the SAT. The average score of the language exam was 500 points. Now the top marks are 800 points. By the 1990s, the average score had dropped to 424 points. The College Board then redefined 424 as the new 500. The decline in the quality of education is not just reflected in the decline in students' literacy. Due to a lack of basic knowledge, the critical thinking faculties of American students have fallen sharply. American scholar Thomas Sowell observed, it is not merely that Johnny can't read, or even that Johnny can't think, Johnny doesn't know what thinking is. Because thinking is so often confused with feeling in many public schools. Why does it require students to fail at thinking? Because it's easier for them to accept that the indoctrination of socialism and communism is the easier way. This lack of thinking goes with them towards higher education on college campuses, to prepare them for pretty much any types of liberal education courses. And this has caused much of the college campus to become a cesspool of left-leaning student bodies. Another big aspect is sex education. Traditionally, in both the East and the West, sex has been seen as a taboo topic in public. According to both traditions, the divine established that sexual conduct must take place within marriage. All other forms of sexual conduct are considered promiscuous and sinful, violating the divine standards of morality. Now this makes sex and marriage inseparable. And sex can't be a matter of public discussion in a properly functioning society. Now in a traditional society, the youth received education in physiology, and there was no need for today's version of sexual education. The modern concept of sex education was first introduced by Hungarian Marxist Georgi Lukas, founder of the Frankfurt School of Social Theory and Philosophy. His purpose was to completely turn traditional values and Western values upside down. In 1919, Lukas was appointed Minister of Culture in a short-lived Hungarian Bolshevik regime. He developed a radical sex education program that taught the students about free love, and that marriage was outdated. In the United States, Alfred Kenzie, financed by the Rockefellers Foundation, published his best-selling Kenzie Reports, two books titled Sexual Behavior in the Human Male and Sexual Behavior in the Human Female. This was done in the 1940s, and in early 1950s, in his since-debunked research, he used pedophiles to conduct sexual experiments on infants and children. McKinsey's idea that children are sexual beings from birth and must be explicitly educated in every manner of sexual activity is the foundation of modern sex education. The sexual revolution of the 1960s annihilated the remaining traditional Western cultures. Ratings of sexual transmitted diseases and teen pregnancy began to rise rapidly. In today's U.S. education, there exist two types of sex education curriculum, one based on religion, and its aim is to practice abstinence until marriage. The other is the public school-adopted curriculum. In the later one, the idea is to justify that it is that students are inevitably going to be experiencing premarital sex anyways, therefore it is much safer to teach them. It is undeniable that social morality, gradually, especially towards the attitude of sex, has deviated far from traditional faith-based morality. And the media and the internet are flooded with pornography and, and all these content are dragging children towards the edge of the abyss. In today's educational field controlled by atheism, most public schools that follow value neutrality don't want to or don't dare to Teach children that sex outside of marriage is immoral, nor do they teach children right from wrong based on traditional moral principles. Lastly, I want to briefly touch on the effects of pop culture and entertainment and how that has had an effect on family and the young as well. As a supplemental corruption, I guess, Hollywood was drastically transformed in the 1960s as well. The way films were produced and the content it was produced. From traditional film topics like love and romance, it has now mutated into glorification of killing, mutilation, sexual freedom, partying, and drinking. Video games justified gory and spontaneous killing as the main goal of the protagonist. While music and art emphasized the desire for money, drugs, killing, women, all this has helped to contribute to the rise of communist ideology and thinking and the complete destruction of family and humanity. Thanks so much for watching tonight's episode. The next episode will be released on Friday of the following week. Thank you for your continued support of Beyond the Noise. Have a wonderful evening, take care.